Father in heaven, Lord, we humbly ask that you bless us this afternoon. It's tough. Uh, I think some of us are going to fall asleep, and Lord, I might even fall asleep, Lord. Uh, Lord, we ask for not just energy and strength, but help us to really get what you would have us to get. And if it's a point that I'm not making, Lord, even, make, even allow the Holy Spirit to make that in our hearts. Um, I know I'm the limitation here, Father, so I ask for that blessing. I ask for forgiveness for my sins, my shortcomings, and upon my brothers and sisters here as well. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So in the Asian American church experience, the, you experience the community. Um, Many people who, and this is not an Adventist thing, this is also upon the Presbyterian Baptist and all the other non-denominational churches. Like, it's hard to leave church not because of the, the doctrines or the Christ experience. Many feel they can't leave church because of the community. They're like, oh, you know, elder, like, oh, he, he babysat me since I was a baby. And, uh, and, and hey, and, and Mrs. Kim, <laughs> which is like half the... Mrs. Kim, like she, you know, baked me duck. You don't bake duck, but you know, you, you bake bread for me. And then, so we have these connections. And what's funny is many who leave the Adventist church, specifically, they come to church, but they come to church to pay respects and to inza, to, to, to say hi to all the elders that they like, and then they just go home afterwards. They, they show their face. Saint Korean, and uh, it's a weird phenomenon. You don't see that in any other denomination, uh, any other culture. Like, if you're not going to go, don't go. Why do you got to go and show your face? Like, I'm here, and then you go, and then you get, and sometimes you get food, good food in the process. Um, so there's there's different versions of church. Some people call it the Korean art museum. Like you're going and uh, you're seeing people. We're like, hello, you're at church. Oh, hello, you're at church. Oh, hello, and there's the exhibit. And you're just going around saying hello to everyone, and that's really not church. Although that's a church from some, some people. Um, some, it's the ethnic cultural center. I kind of made fun of it this morning. Um, ch- Korean churches are often the, 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 the headquarters for Korean language school, for fan dancing, for Korean cooking classes, for, um, you guys don't, I don't know what it's called in, 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 in Korean, I forgot, but like, you know, like the, 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 the dancing with the long sleeves and then like the, the, the whatever thing. And like, they teach that at church. Which I get, I get, because it's a Korean church, and they're, but why don't we have a separate cultural center for that? Why is that in church? And, 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 and what happens is those two sometimes get mixed. And then lastly, you have the pseudo-extended family, where you get, I call it the fat syndrome, where everyone in church is related to you. Yeah, and a lot of Korean churches are like that. That's my komo, that's my aunt, that's my assumption, that's my uncle. And what happens is, like, you have to go to church because it's your family reunion every Sabbath. And if you don't go, you're gonna, they're going to get called. And that's very, very common, and many churches are created or split off due to extended family relations. By the way, disclaimer, I don't know anything about Collegedale, so if that's true here, I, I, I don't know what, what I'm talking about. Um, I'm assuming that's not the case. Right, Jacob? Yeah. All right. Um, if you were never happy at any church and you're looking constantly for the perfect church, don't join it because you will ruin it. Okay? So there's this church, this is a millennial thing. Like, I'm looking for the perfect church, I'm looking for the perfect church. You should choose your church not on the basis on how good the pastor is, or how good the facilities are, or how much in debt the church is. Your church should be based on where you can do your local ministry. Does that make sense? 
So if I am a professional in the town of Ultawa and I would want to go to the Ultawa church so that with my clientele, if I were to witness to them, I can bring them to a church nearby. Does that make sense? So it should be a church where you feel comfortable in bringing your contacts or your people who are interested in Christ. If you're going to a church where you're being fulfilled or you're being satisfied, the reality is you'll never actually find that church. They may be fulfilling in one or two of these aspects, but the perfect church doesn't exist. And the fact that you are searching for a perfect church, you are not perfect. So even if there were, you joining it, you would make the church imperfect. So you're the problem. Okay? These things aren't bad, but they are when they become more visible and prominent as the spiritual function of the church. So you have a lot of barriers. I'm not going to go into this because a lot of this is, is kind of redundant. But you have a generational thing. And I would really say that the millennial generation is sociologically weird because they actually like the older generation. Walmart, and for those of you guys from former Michigan, Meyer, there's another, um, some of you are nodding your heads, Meyer. Um, they place senior citizens at the front uh, that when you come in. And they found out that a lot of millennials, they come to these big box stores and there's no one to greet them. So they just feel like this is like a, this is a corporate enterprise trying to get my money, all these things made in China, trying to sell this to me. Ah. But then you have an old person there like, welcome to Walmart, come here little buddy. Oh, it's like grandpa. And, and so millennials like that connection. Um, what happens in a lot of Korean Asian churches is they blame a lot of the cultural barrier on the generational barrier. And there is a generational barrier. Uh, but when there's good communication back and forth, the older generation really likes talking to the younger generation. The younger generation relates to the older generation. But there are, there are, there's, it's, it's very complex. Um, this is the first generation. Generation X, for those who are generation, you, uh, generation Xers hate old people. Generation Xers hate really everyone in life. Uh, very an angry generation, a very small generation, um, just very, 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 you know, Nirvana and punk music. Um, millennials are very apathetic and indifferent about everything. And they've, they lived in such an, an abusive uh, generation that the majority of the parents are all divorced. They don't know what it's like to have home-cooked meals. So they look back towards the golden years of their grandparents. They look at that as, this is real America. This is where real values were. America was at its height. Now we're in a post-9-11 world, and this is, this is the, 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 the cards that have been dealt to us. And then we talked about the cultural barrier. So then you have post-college, young single adults, young married, older married, older single, families with kids. And we find we're, we're segmenting all of us right? So you go to church, and we're like, okay, are you married? Okay, you're married, so you got to go to this section. But then are you, are you in a young adult? Well, young adult is everyone 35 and older who's married, but what if you're 37 and you're not married? Then are you in this section or are you this section? So then we, we start specializing, and we become unable to minister to really anyone. And you don't find that in the Bible anywhere. Age is never a demarcation point. Language is, because you can't communicate. You have tongues and different things. But culture and age is not. So that's something to be mindful of. Um, in the West, you have I think, therefore I am. In the East, I belong, therefore I am. It's a very interesting thing. Okay? In the Korean culture, you have I am the firstborn son of Elder Saw of California Church, therefore I am. Okay, I just made fun of our people. Um, then you have, you know, we just kind of uh, uh, review, you have Asian performance plus American achievement equals workaholics. You have a lot of young adults 
who are the most workaholics in American society. Asian Americans are model citizens, if they will. They make a lot of money. Um, you couple that with conservative Adventism, and I would say even ultra-conservative Adventism, they become really perfectionistic. They really get into weird forms of theology and become very burdened with a lot of weird theology. Won't get into that. And just as a culture, we lack thankfulness and humility. And you think that's kind of ironic. Asians are superficially humble, but we're actually not humble in our characters. Like, humility is a cultural component. So we're like, hello, how are you? Please go for eat first. But in your heart, you're like, man, I want to eat. <laughs> uh, and it's just the culture that's expected of us, you tell other people to go. So it's just, it's just more of a superficial thing. Um, and we're also not thankful. And so what happens is our kids grow up spoiled. And that's a, that's a reality that if you are an Asian American, you have to realize that as an affluent American in North America, we are all spoiled, comparatively to the world. We accomplish to lessen our debt so that we can disdain others in more debt, and we are all comparatively in the same spot in the light of Christ, light of, light of the cross. So when we're trying to, I forgot, there's a preacher that said, we're trying to fill our homes with things that we hate to impress the people that we don't like to go to places where we never wanted to go so they can be the people that we never wanted to be. It's kind of the American um, lifestyle that we have. Okay, so we have Asian Americans. We, we, we live a multicultural life. We're uh, considered to be intelligent and educated. I don't think Asians have a higher uh, degree of intelligence. I think that's a sociological um, uh, falsity. I think we're just, there's, there's persistence. So there's, there's this... Um, uh, image that we're good at mathematics. By the way, if you look at the statistics, Asians are not better in, in mathematics. It's just, we go to Hagwon for that. <laughs> That's why this is a special school for mathematics. That's why we get higher grades. So we cheat. Um, but there is a grit factor. There is a diligence factor. We are more socially aware in that sense. Um, and we try to be non-offensive as much as possible. Relationships are big. Hospitality is huge. Yes? Um, and we won't talk, much, talk too much about that, but it's part of our culture, okay? Wealth is to be aspired for, and pain is to be um, embraced. You guys have no, for those of you who are Korean, I don't, I don't know where all the Koreans went. They're not, not here. There's this thing called Han. Have you heard of Han? And it's only found in the Korean culture. Han means utter sorrow, like the deepest of heart sorrow. And in the Korean culture, every Korean has it. Isn't that a happy thought? We have this Han in us. And you can get, never get rid of it. It's with you for the rest of your life. And that's why every Asian drama everyone dies at the end. Okay. <laughs> because you... Um, it's a de depressing culture in that sense. Uh, South Korea has the highest percentage of suicide and also number two in orphans. And for a developed country of South Korea to have that many orphans is, is kind of a contradiction. It shouldn't be that way, but it is. Um, so this is where we come into church. Now, I don't, this, I'm trying to show you, this is the Seventh-day Adventist logo. Uh, this was adopted somewhere in the 1990s. You have the world there, you have encapsulated in the flame, representing the Holy Spirit, based in scripture with a cross in the front. You have the three flames representing the three angels. By the way, you may think this is like an updated logo. This, this is not an updated logo. This is the only logo that we had. Previously, we had three angels, and that was just kind of people doing it themselves. 
So this is um, a little bit of Bible study, but I won't get too much into it, I promise. Okay, but I think this is very important. In Revelation 13, there are three entities. And in Revelation 14, there are three entities. Okay, the three entities in Revelation 13 are referenced in Revelation 16. We won't get into that. It's a little bit complicated, but these three entities are three frogs. Three frogs go around the whole world, and they're trying to deceive the whole world. Next chapter, you have three angels. The three angels go through the whole world, and they're warning the whole world. And the whole basic premise, that's all Revelation pretty much encapsulated. You can either be part of chapter 13 or chapter 14. And it's a worldwide entity. So the question is, do you want to be a frog or do you want to be an angel? Now, you may ask why, why frogs want to That's a Bible study later on. We won't get into that. Okay. So we believe in a global church. There are uh, our beliefs unite us in theology. We have our practices in the church manual. By the way, how many of you have read the church manual? Okay. We would want to really encourage you guys to read the church manual. It's a beautiful read. You will fall asleep right away. Okay, you will fall asleep right away. Um, but even so, read it. Okay? You are a seventh, I'm, 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 that's my assumption. You are Seventh-day Adventists. You should know how the church functions. Seventh-day Adventism today for our generation, the only expectation is come to church. We'll give you free potluck. By the way, this church has wonderful potluck. Amen? Amen. If you have been coming here for four years and mooching off the potluck for four years, Bring something to potluck. Amen? Well, you don't understand. I don't cook. Then bring some napkins. <laughs> bring some plates. Contribute in some way. This church is very blessed that they do this, but they're actually spoiling all of us. Because what happens after four years of a beautiful presentation such as this? What's going to happen when you graduate and go to another church? You're going to look for a church that's like this. Guess what? This doesn't exist. Well, in Andrews it does. And in PUC it does. And last year, well, unless you get, get out of the Adventist ghetto, normal churches in the middle of Podunk, Wisconsin, or Nebraska, they don't give you free potluck. And there, there are only four people there, and they're all older than 90 years old. <laughs> True or false? It's the reality. So right now, while you're here, learn to be an adult. Learn to be a what? And contribute. Contribute to your church. Now that's minimal, minimal, minimal. Bring something to potluck. Maximal, what we're going to talk about here today. Uh, we have pay tithe. We have Sabbath school, which is the church in action. We have the church in communication. You have the reviews and whatnot. So this, this stuff really, really excites me. So I don't know if it excites you, but I, I get very excited. There are different versions of church structure. Church what, everyone? Some of you are like, uh, I don't like structure. It's going to be boring. Here's the thing. If you have a goal, you need a structure that accomplishes that goal. Some people say, well, I'm anti-organized religion. And I always say, you know, that sounds cool to say, but I always ask, why? And they're like, uh, I, I really don't know why. I saw that on the internet somewhere. It sounded cool. Uh, I think they're all about profit. The Adventist church is not about profit. So then, uh, what? The Adventist church is not a for-profit organization. Like, we're not, we don't have, wouldn't it be awesome, and I'm going to mention this a little bit later, like, if you don't come out to church, we charge you guys double tithe. That'd be awesome. Yes? Would you all come to church then? You guys would remove your membership, probably. Um, (laughs) 
So there's different structures, and we got to look at what's the best structure that help, helps us accomplish our goal. Number one is the Episcopal uh, structure. At the top, you have the archbishop. On the second row, you have bishops, and then you have rectors, and you have congregation on the side. Basically, it's a hierarchy. Everything goes up front, everything goes up top, I should say, and everything comes back down from that top decision. One version of this is the papal organization. You all know the papal? Roman Catholic Church. Okay. So in this system, let me ask you this. How is this system bad? We're, we're, we're something happening, so we should be very good at analyze, an, a, analyzing this. Why is this system bad? What's that? It's the beast. Okay, that's an evidence answer. But let's actually give a more of a, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a real reason why that it might be bad. Yes, sir. Okay, Bible, okay, that's a Bible answer. But let's just look at it just organizationally, just, just from a functional perspective, not with any, any, any theology here. Why is this function bad? What is, why is this bad? One person makes all the decisions. Amen? So there's, there's possibility for abuse, yes or no? Okay, second question. Why, how is this system good? It's efficient, right? One person makes all the decisions. There's no committees, no conflict. So one person makes all the decisions about doctrine. So the Pope says, hmm, what's, what day should we be? We believe Sunday. It's all Sunday. How should we use our money? We're going to use this money for this and this money for that. <laughs> Done. True or false? It's very, very efficient. And if you have a good guy at the top, everything's good. If you have a bad guy at the top, everything's bad. And by the way, we will live under that system in heaven. Amen? Now, the, the Jesus will be our... I don't want to say Jesus will be our Pope, but I mean, he, he, he will be the one in charge to make all these decisions. And he is the ultimate epitome of goodness, yes? Um, so here, in this system, local church or individual member has no authority in church administration. So Pope Francis can come into this congregation and he can say, I don't like how you look. Excommunicare. <laughs> she, not only is she out of the church, she has no salvation. You're gone. No salvation. Yes? Now, in our church system, when we're, we'll get to it, Ted Wilson is our, is our conference president, GC president. He can come down and he can be like, excommunicare. And what happens? Nothing. <laughs> now, not only does he not have that power, he doesn't have that authority. We're going to look at it a little bit later. He, he, he's not even in that realm of that. Okay? But another entity does. Not in terms of salvation, but membership. We'll look at it. At that later. Number two, you have the, uh, the, the flip opposite. You have the independent congregational side. And here is where many Asian churches and many Caribbean churches and then many ethnic churches underneath the radar are a little bit more independent congregational in nature. Okay, if you're one of these churches, I'm not here to find out. I'm not here to, to, to do an audit. But here, the local church has supreme authority. They have authority in, in theology and personnel and in tithe, and they're localized in one spot. Meaning, the church board, let's say we have the College Dale, uh, what's, college here? what's another city here? Um, a Brainerd, okay? Is there an East Brainerd church? Yeah, okay, there is. All right, let's just use, um, you know, Bobton, okay, the Bobton church. We have our church board, and the church board chooses the pastor. Is there problems with that? So we get pastor number number pastor A comes up and pastor, what do you believe? 
Do you believe in Sunday the Sabbath or Seventh-day Sabbath? Well, I believe that, that Sunday is the Sabbath. Well, that's not what we believe. We all believe that Tuesday is the Sabbath. We don't want you to be our pastor. All right? Pastor B, what, 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 what day do you believe the Sabbath is? I believe Tuesday is. Great. We believe that too. We're going to hire you. And the pastor becomes the pastor of that church. Do you see how awkward that is? Who is actually determining doctrine at that point? It's kind of this, there's, there's no focal point. It's just kind of going on wherever who wants to do whatever. Okay? And then all the money, by the way, I don't know if you all know this, so when we collect tithe, all the tithe is collected together, and in an independent congregational church, all the tithe goes to one person. Guess who goes to? Pastor. So if I have a church of like four people, man, my salary is really low. But if I have a church membership of about 5,000, by the way, like Joel Olstein, all that tithe goes to him. He single-handedly gets all of it. Now, he just, he'll distribute it to his you know, associate pastor and, and assistant pastor and youth pastor and administrative pastor and prayer pastor and then food pastor and then you know, shoe pastor or whatever, but he has his team. Okay? Independent congregational. A lot of Korean churches think that they are independent congregational. Um, I don't know if you know this, but when we build, for example, you build this building, you, build, you guys have built the, the building next door, we are paying for this building, yes? It comes out of lay people's pockets. But the deed of this building does not belong to us. It belongs to the conference, another entity, to prevent doctrinal independence from happening. For example, of this church, let's say we get all 450, you know, 450 uh, young adults here and then college students, and all of a sudden the pastor becomes this uber-charismatic guy, and he can say, well, now we are no longer the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Now we are the, the cult of Pastor Kim. And now this building is ours. And easily, they can go totally haywire, and all these people will, 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 will leave the church. So they, they make it so that the building is always in part of the conference system, rooted in church. There's security and, and uh, consistency there. Okay. The Presbyterian, by the way, the Presbyterian model does not mean the Presbyterian denomination. It's just it's a different word. So authority rests on church membership through what? Assemblies. Now this is where the people get annoyed, but assembly is another word for committees. How many of you love committees? Okay, I work at the General Conference. Man, we have more committees than there are flavors of ice cream. Like, it is so many committees out there. Like, we have, I mean, we have, like, so many acronyms. Like, the OGC has to meet with ASI and go to MENA. And it's, it's crazy. It's, it's fun, but it's, it's pretty crazy. Uh, the local church is governed by one committee, one assembly. This assembly is governed by another assembly. This theory of governance is developed by John Calvin, John Knox, most popular in the Reformation movement of churches. This governance was the basis for American government of representation. Like American uh, uh, the voting of representatives had its roots in the Reformation. Isn't that awesome? I think that's pretty cool. So another word for bishop is presbyter or episcopos or elder. It's the same thing. And biblically speaking, an elder and a pastor, same thing. Not, not that much different. Um, you have executive responsibility is delegated to, to representative bodies. So you have the Adventist church is a version of this. Authority in the church rests on church membership. Executive responsibility is delegated to representative bodies and officers, and you have three levels of conferences. How many? A lot of people think it's four. It's actually three. It's the local conference, union conference, and general conference. OK? 
Okay, and we're going to look at what those what they what they all have to do. The local conference is a sisterhood of churches. The union conference is a sister uh, sisterhood of unions or conferences, I should say. And the general conference is the entire union of conferences. And there's 13 in the world. Uh, there was a lady who just got baptized, and bless bless her heart, she was like saying, you know, we need to have uh, not so much divisions in the church. We need to have more unions. You know, we're talking about these unions and divisions, and, and we're like, I don't think you 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 get understand uh, church ecclesiology. Um, divisions are, the technical name is divisions of the general conference. Okay, so they're not an actual entity. They're at the same level of GC. So this is the world map, and this was instituted to help world mission around the world. This is a fact. Um, you see North America there? Yeah? You see North America in orange? You combine that with the two, there's two divisions in Europe. I don't know why there's two. It's just like the clay and the iron. They can't, they can't, they can't get together. Uh, you combine them, and you combine them with Australia, the South Pacific Division. They account for about 8% of the world Adventist population. Okay, I'll, I'll say that one more time. You take North America, you take that weird pink and the weird orange in Europe, and you take the Australian yellow. That all of that is about 8% of the world church. All of South America and Inter-America is about a third of the church. All of Africa is about another third of the church. And then the remainder are just whatever, whatever. Okay? Does that kind of give you a, an idea of your world church? Okay. In the light blue in the middle... There was virtually almost zero Adventist presence in the Middle East. If every Adventist, I forget what the statistics exactly were, but if every Adventist were to, uh, to do outreach, I think in North America, we would reach every, 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 everyone in North America in one year. If we did it in Brazil, we could do it in about six months. Uh, in the Middle East, if every Adventist did outreach, it would take them about 300 years to reach everybody. Okay? What's that? What is that? Why is that so? The Middle East has um, many challenges. Many, many challenges. Yeah. We traditionally have not had a presence in the Middle East. We have Muslim uh, culture and Christianity and, you know, Afghanistan, Kazakhstan, Iran, Iraq. Um, not many Christians there to begin with. So we are now, according to the Middle Eastern North African Union, doing a lot of Waldensian projects there. And on the cutting edge of that, by the way, are Koreans. You all know that? And, and non-Koreans too, and non-Koreans in there. But... Uh, I, I just pick out Koreans just because Koreans are always this small little Asian. No one, no one thinks of uh, Koreans. Hey, are you Asian? Are you Chinese? No. Are you Japanese? No. What are you? Why, why, don't, why don't Koreans get a question? <laughs> you know, we we, we want to be part of, we want to hang with the Japanese and the Chinese. Um, anyway, that's, what am I talking about? Um, so this is, uh, you have 13 divisions here. You have one division. This is the West African Division. Okay, this is ginormous division. But Africa uh, by itself has three divisions. Okay, North America only has one. 
Uh, North America is the richest uh, division, but very small in membership. Um, this is a, an example of a union. This is the North Pacific Union. This is the Arizona Conference. And this is the local church. This is a very ugly church. Okay. So here you have the different levels. The, the local church is in charge of membership and local mission. Okay. So the Collegedale Korean Seventh-day Adventist Church is technically in charge of reaching everyone in Collegedale. And may have some kind of Korean connection in some way, but doesn't have to. The minute you go into East Brainerd, that's of the territory of who? The East Brainerd Church. Okay. Now, through a nice sisterhood and a relationship, you're, going to be, you're not going to fight over people. I mean, you're like, oh, hey, no. okay. And, but you also have the problem in, in Avenue ghettos. You have like a billion churches in a matter of like five minutes all around each other, and then there's, there's an issue of that. Okay. But this is where people, if they've lost their mission mindset, they don't know why they're going to church. They just go to church, they listen to the nice, nicest message. Okay. They're also in charge of membership. So we see a sister here, and let's say we drive on Sabbath, and then we see her coming out of the liquor store, and, and she's, she's like drinking, and she's clearly inebriated, and she's like singing hymns in a slurred language, and like we don't know what she's saying, and we're like, dude, she's clearly drunk. Okay. As a local church, it is our responsibility to guard her salvation. And we say, hey, we all of us, all of us have private sins and private weaknesses we all need to cover, uh, overcome and struggle with. Amen? We all do in this room, right? But if there's things that we come out and open on, it hurts our witness publicly as a corporate body. So you being so comfortable and being, we call it open sin. Have you heard of that before? that we need to talk to you about. And so we engage. The elders come and we engage in a conversation, not to point around like, you are drinking and then whatever. That's not the one. And unfortunately, there are churches who do that and they're wrong. But the function should be the elders who are like, hey, we're really worried about you. We saw that you were drinking. What was going on? We're like, oh no, I wasn't drinking. That was just, I was just, you know, like I was just water. And and you you talk about these things and you you want to work through this. But it's for her salvation in mind. But if she has the attitude where like, you know what? I don't think there's anything wrong with alcohol. And I'm going to drink alcohol until Jesus comes. And alcohol is fine. If she persists in this, she's placing herself outside of the fellowship of believers. She is not a Seventh-day Adventist in public. So at that point, using discipline, we disfellowship her. She is not a member of our church because she continues, not because like, oh, you're not like us, we're going to kick you out. That is not the function of disfellowship. It is a form of punishment saying, hey, we really want you in. We really want you. So we meet with her even more. We pray with her. We have Bible study. And we want to see what the core of the problem is. Maybe it's not drinking. Maybe she's going through depression and she needs a chemical, whatever, whatever. We find what that is. And then when she decides to come back, we rebaptize her into the faith. It becomes a beautiful experience rather than just you're in, you're out. Does that make sense? The local church has this authority. Your local church board has given assignment. So that's why when you choose a church, you choose, choose to transfer your membership, you're actually saying, I hold myself accountable to this church. I like these people so much that they, I want them to watch me, but I'm going to watch them. We're going to hold each other accountable. That is the function of church. Okay, question. Yes. Yes. It doesn't happen ideal. Yes. 
And it's, that's, and I, I mean, as, I don't know what to say about that. I, it, it's a reality. Um, it happens in developed countries more, which is really weird. But it's what, like, she was drinking, what? She was drinking, what? Let's just take her off the, okay. Let's not talk to her, okay. And she's like, what's going on? Why is, like, no one talk to me? You are not a member of our church anymore. And we, we run away. Like, we're so non-confrontational. And, and, and it's actually rooted in selfishness. We don't, we're not looking for her. I'm, I'm sorry, picking on you. She's not even a drinker. She's probably very, yeah? Okay. <laughs> uh, we need to look out for her salvation. Does that make sense? It's not that we're saving her. It's Jesus that saves her. But we have this community that keeps her accountable, all of us. And the one person that's not held accountable is the one person that falls off the wagon. I mean, they, they leave church as a result. Anyway, I'll, 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 she's getting tired, so I'll, I'll keep moving. Um, then you have the local conference. The local conference's function is to choose and train pastors. A local congregation cannot choose your own pastor. Okay? Or the conference. So that the pastor has the freedom to preach the message and does not have to uh, appeal and to kowtow to the congregation. They can preach the message the way it should be preached. They have that autonomy and independence. And if any discipline needs to take place, it takes place on the level of the local conference, not the local church. Okay? Um, you, have the local, you have the union conference, they're in charge of policies, and you have the general conference who's in charge of mission. Yes? Yes. In in North America, there there is a um, a, a friendly understanding that you don't need to have service requests, and you know, from California to Florida. Um, the decision behind that, I mean, many people surmise that there was a political and with the background of women's ordination, and and so that was a, a political maneuvering. And they violated that understanding, that fellowship. And uh, that's, that's not normal practice. It's policed by, so it's happening between uh, two conferences of two different divisions. So it should be policed by the division. And whether the division polices that or not, that's another question. Um, if he, if, and the, con, the current conversation at the general conference is what happens when the divisions don't do what they're supposed to do. And uh, we're, that's, what, that's the discussion we're in now today. So before to this point and before the women's ordination point, there was a common understanding and, and, and people kind of worked towards together. There was a general, un, um, I forgot what the right word is, a, an accordance. Uh, but now we're, we're getting into the, the nitty gritty. People are, are using the, the powers that they have for malintent or for political intent or for whatever intent, and uh, it erodes. You know, the church is based on the, the fellowship and the brotherhood of these, of these churches. And uh, that's the, the way. Now, Florida does have that prerogative to do that. They do. All right. Um, this is from Spirit of Prophecy. You guys still okay this afternoon? Amen? You guys want to stand up? Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Okay, touch, touch the ceiling. Reach. Reach for the stars. Stretch, 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 stretch. Okay, please turn to your left. Please turn to your left. Put your hands on the shoulders and the front of the person in front of you on your left. 
and just massage the, 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 the muscles out of them. Okay, please turn to your right and please retaliate. Thank you, please be seated. Okay, AT 236237. Every member of the church has a voice in choosing officers for the church. This is where your membership is very, very important. You have the choice to choose, impact the whole world. Now, you can't be on the world level, but you can choose the people who choose the people who, choose, who, who, who serve the church. I know that sounds very, very well, uh, very uh, far removed, but you still have a say. There is that you have a responsibility to choose. The church chooses the officers of the state conferences. Delegates chosen by state conferences choose the officers of the union conferences, and the delegates chosen by the union conferences chooses the officers of the general conference. Does it make sense? Just everyone's choosing of each other. By this arrangement, every conference, every institution, every church, and every individual, either directly or through representatives, has a voice in the election of the men who bear the chief responsibilities of the GC. Okay? You don't see this in any other denomination. And this, I'm very proud to be a Seventh-day Adventist when it comes to God has ordained that the representatives of his church from all parts of the earth, when assembled in the general conference, shall have authority. This quote is too long, so I'll skip it. Um, and then our goal, our purpose in existing is Matthew 28, 18, yes? That go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So our job is to baptize. Our job is to teach people. Our job is to disciple people. This is the function of our church. Our structure should serve this. Our, this is an example of, and I don't know how it's worked here in, uh, in Georgia Cumberland, but the local church gives 100% of its tithe to the local conference. The local conference gives 16% of that to the division, 9% goes to the union, and the local union gives 10% to the division. So what ha- what's happening is everyone's kind of tithing, 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 and it's all functioning through tithe. Okay? How to get involved in the local church, and, I, and it's not a typo, I, that's, I was going to mention more about locality, but I didn't. Um, the Adventist Church is a local church. We're very focused on local and the local impacting the global. Okay? A couple of things you can do is win a soul to Christ. If you don't know how to do this, ask your pastor. This is the primary function of your pastor. Your pastor is not there to preach good messages every week. If you have a horrible preacher, I'm sorry, you have a horrible preacher. But every pastor should be a great trainer in winning souls to Christ. If your pastor is a bad winner of souls, call your local conference. Simple as that. We want someone to train us how to win souls. And if the conference has a problem with that, then call your local union and then just call up the branch. Okay? Number two is get involved with your Sabbath school. I'm part of the Sabbath school department. That's why I'm very, very passionate about Sabbath school. I believe Sabbath school is the most important part of the church. Uh, many students are asleep during Sabbath school, and it's, it's, it's horrendous. I was here about six months ago in Collegedale and to do a study, and this is a travesty, that the local university, the, the Southern Adventist University, thought all the local churches were housing the students during Sabbath school. All the local churches thought the university was doing something about Sabbath school. So in the entire area, no one has been going out to Sabbath school for the last 20 years. And just now, the university is coming to, 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 to this conclusion. Man, maybe we should do something for Sabbath school. And now the habits have existed for so long, people just sleep through Sabbath school because they're tired. 
Okay? Sabbath school is, a, is a, an, a, an opportunity where everyone can get involved together. Um, and the, the, the most exciting part for me for Sabbath school is VBS. I think VBS people are the craziest people in the world. They're like insane. They're like the Green Beret of the Adventist Church. Like in one week, they go... They're like, they're like ER nurses. Like, we need, we need you know, five games, stab, get streamers over here. And then the snask, get the goldfish. Now, now, now. And in one week, they go all out. And every kid loves VBS. Amen? Even the badly done VBS, his kids are like, this is awesome. I got paper. <laughs> you know, like, VBS is awesome. There are communities that revolve their lives around VBS. Do you know that? blew my mind. There are families that are like, okay, from August 8th to 13th, we go to the Baptist church. From 14th to the 17th, we'll go to the Adventist church. From the 18th to the 23rd, we'll go to the, to the Presbyterian church. And they just have their whole summer planned out. VBS, 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 VBS. But here's the problem. We go all out for VBS. And I don't know what you do here for, for college. Too. We go all out for VBS. And after VBS is done, what do we do? We're done. Ooh, oh, that was so hard. Okay, see you guys. And then we're done. We need to connect VBS to Sabbath school. So Thursday afternoon, we're like, do you guys love VBS? We love VBS. Do you want VBS forever? We want VBS forever. Then we're going to have VBS forever. Like, what? When school starts, you guys go to school from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And my love, you go to a church on Sunday. So we'll have it on Saturday at 9.30 to 11 o'clock. And it's called Sabbath school, not VBS. And it's the same exact teachers, same exact uh, everything. And so there's familiarity with if you don't have young people in your church, find them and bring them in. VBS has been known to revive churches. It's amazing stuff. Um, you can also plant branch Sabbath schools because when the kids are there, you can say, parents, instead of waiting in your cars for VBS to finish, come into our adult program. And you don't want to do like the beast in 14 seconds, okay? That's not the Bible study we're talking about. Just do like Christianity 101 or cooking schools or something more, you know, you know, just, eh. and then they can come and then they can be part of that and they can be part of the church. Visit and reclaim former elderly, missing, forgotten, backsliding members. Visit each other. For those of you who are in on universities, visit each other in the dorms. Number four, um, be, be part of the welcome guard. Okay. The three first impressions of a church, number one, is your church sign, number two, is your website, and number three, is your welcomers. From these three things, the millennial generation gets a picture, a composite picture of the church. So I'm like, man, I got invited to Collegeville Korean Church. Let me go online and see their website. This website is awesome. This church must be, this website is horrible. This website was like, you know, made by CompuServe in the 1980s. Ooh. First impressions. If your sign up there is like, you know, falling and hanging on the side and it's just rust everywhere, does that show something about the church? I've been to churches where at the welcome guard, they're just looking at me in the window. And it's awkward. So I'm coming out of the car. We're walking. They're looking at me. I'm looking at them. I'm like, hello. <laughs> you can leave the lobby and meet them outside. Amen? I've been to one church. They rejuvenated their welcome guard. They had a golf cart. Went out. And when it was raining, the guy comes out, he has an umbrella out. He says, hey, welcome to the 7th Avenue Church. My name is Joe, and I'm only welcome to, are you, are you a first-time member here? You are. Hey, then come into our little things. And it was raining. 
And, oh, this is your wife? Or this is your son? Oh, cute little Noah. Hey, Nathaniel, you're going to come in. Okay, hey, Mary, this is the Kim family. This is their first time here. And then I should talk to Mary. Mary, and Mary introduces to at least five people. Studies show that if you know at least five people and have a meaningful conversation with them on their first visit, they will return. But what happens? Our first visit is like, who's that person? I don't know. They're pretty good looking. Let's go talk to them. Okay. They're pretty ugly. Let's not talk to them. Okay. So what's what happens? Okay. Rejuvenate. We, we consecrate the welcome guard. And lastly, participate in church board meetings. Amen? Amen? Kurt's like, I don't, I don't know about that. Um, I, don't, I don't know. Okay. So this is the last part, and this is where I'm very passionate about. And um, I believe every young adult should be part of leadership to some degree, okay? The CEO of Burger King is 36 years old. We have young adults who are old enough to kill people in the military. They can hold weapons and they can press nuclear bombs. But when it comes to the Adventist church, it's like, you are 25 years old. You are too young to be an elder. You must be at least 75 years old to be an elder. That's what elder means. Elder means to be old. You know, that's what they say. In, in Africa, the continental Africa, where the church is growing the fastest, the average age of elder leadership is 23 years old. The church is growing like crazy. There's some energy there. Whereas by 75, there's not that energy left. I mean, there still is, but not, not, not that much. So be part of leadership. Be an elder to some degree. Church boards, chief concern is the spiritual nature a nurture of the church, and in the, uh, the work of planning and fostering what? So church board is not the time to gossip. It's not the time to, to debate about the color of the carpet. And by the way, I was part of a church where we debated about the color of the carpet for like two weeks. It's horrible. I was driving the pen in my wrist because it was more pleasant than this conversation. Okay? It's about planning evangelism. And then when I direct church board, we're done in an hour. In an hour. Korean churches, we have church board meetings till like four o'clock in the morning. Okay. It's not a prayer vigil, it's it's a it's a literal church. I've been I've been in one of those too. Okay, and I was doing the pen thing. When the board devotes its first interests and its highest energies to every member evangelism, most of its problems are what or what? Okay, I don't know what you said, but you said alleviated or prevented. Very good. The church board will study local field committee recommendations for evangelistic programs and methods. It will determine how these can best be implemented by the church. The pastor and the board will initiate and develop plans for public evangelistic campaigns. So if your church, you don't have enough money, what should you do? Do evangelism. People come in, they'll donate more money. If you don't have enough people, what should you do? Do evangelism. You get more people. If you have not enough spirituality, what should you do? Evangelism. Your church becomes more spiritual. Okay. So the problem to every church is, a solution to every problem in the church is evangelism. All right, board meetings. Board meetings are like suicidal to many people. Yes? Kurt? Okay. There's a general order of board meetings. Number one, you have a call to order. You have the minutes, reports from your officers. You have unfinished business, new business announcements, and a call to adjourn. You all should be part of your board. You should go to one and see how it works. Now, here's the thing. Many of your church boards have like people who are older than 90, 90 years old there. And they've been in the same exact church board with those people for 90 years. <laughs> Do you understand? So it's like the usual suspects. So they talk on a level that's far more familiar. 
And so they go at it. Have you heard of these church boards? They go at it. Now, if you show up and you're an idealistic, you know, 19-year-old, like, I want to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we have a board meeting. I don't know why I have a munchkin voice. But you're there. And you're there. These people cannot fight. You're like, well, Elder, well, I think, oh, you're, Elder, I think you're a nice person, and I think we should reevaluate this motion. And so you have a function there. Does that make sense? Use your youth, use your innocence for the Lord Jesus Christ. Lingo. There's a couple of things. There are, you want to get recognized. You don't have to do that in a small one. Something called a motion. How many of you have made a motion? When you make a motion, you move the mountains. You change the world. I dare you, go to your local church and make a motion. Do it. And everyone around you will freak out. And you will earn respect like no other quickly. Go to your local church and say, um, I would like to make a motion that we use all of our finances for the youth project. Now, I don't know if you're going to get seconded. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, without being facetious, make smart motions. Move the church forward. Use motions. Uh, you want to make a motion? After you make a motion, you wanna, someone has to second it. Meaning if you make a ridiculous motion, no one's going to second it. But if you say, um, instead of all the finances, can we, I move that we use $1,000 for a new uh, young adult project, and here's my, my one-year plan. Second, most likely, so you're going to get a second, and you can talk about it. You have a discussion, and if there's a large group, people will restate the motion. Okay? There's also something called moving the question. How many of you heard this? Moving the question. Meaning, when you have a motion, people will talk, 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 talk. And there's some people who are very, very mischievous that they keep on talking to wear you out. People do that. That's, that. That is a strategy. This is not because they're old. It is a strategic thing that they're doing. They're making you suffer. So what you say is like, um, I'd like to move the question. And when moving the question means no more discussion. We vote now. That's what you're saying. And you need two-thirds vote to do that. Okay. So be, a lot of people get mixed up in this in general conference session. One, you need to vote if you're going to move the question. And then once it's voted, then you actually vote on the original motion. Does that make sense? Yes? People get mixed up. They don't understand what that is. And lastly, you have the voting and announce the results. There's three other interruptions. You can make it a point of privilege. This is going to make you sound really, really smart. Uh, point of privilege, um, your PowerPoint is not working. I can't see you. I can't hear you. You're too soft. Point of order, uh, Mr. Chairman, you totally skipped the whole pastor's report. We need to go back and do it in, in right order. And lastly, a point of information. Um, you said like $10,000. We only have $200 in our budget. Where are you going to find this money? Like that's a point of information that I'd like to have. You can ask that question. Okay? All right. Now, this is going to be, this is, this is the fun part, but this is, there's a lot of reading, so bear with me, okay? Satan attends every what? <sighs> every board meeting, every business meeting, and sometimes he's the only one person there because no one, no one comes out this uh, business meeting. Um, every business meeting, every committee meeting, if he can impress anyone's mind to make objections and to throw in suggestions that will delay the work hours and weary out those who are called upon to attend these meetings, he is wonderfully pleased. So here's the thing. Board meetings should not be this bad, but Satan is making it that bad. 
Amen? That's, that's my point. Okay. Um, the middle part there, the business which should be pushed through with dispatch, yet in an intelligent manner, is made tedious and drag along because of the, of the human unsanctified element. Okay. Number one, what you want to do is before you go to a board meeting, you want to analyze your motives. Do you have any bitterness in your heart? Do you have an agenda? Do you hate the board chairman? Do you, have, do you hate the other elder who you've been fighting for the last 90 years? Uh, these are all things you want to look at and pray for to look at. Number two, she says, excessive amount of food eaten or the improper combination does its injurious work. Some may ask, what does this have to do with board meetings? Very much. The effects of wrong eating are brought into council and board meetings. The brain is affected by the condition of the stomach. The disordered stomach is produced uh, productive of a disordered, uncertain state of mind. In Korean churches, what do you do? We have a big banquet at someone's house. We, we come and come to my house. I want to show you how much money I have, how much food I have. This is all my food. Eat, 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 eat. Now, that's a board meeting. You know, what's going to happen? You have people fighting in those board meetings. You have this every time, uh, every church time and time through. Okay. Um, I present this as a cause of the situation in many council and board meetings where questions demanding careful study have been given but little uh, consideration and decisions of the greatest importance. Number three, dispositions. The disposition to say witty things that will create a laugh when the wants of the cause are under consideration, whether in a committee meeting, board meeting, or any other meeting for business, is not of Christ. So sometimes we try to make too many jokes and make it very frivolous. Number four, we should be praying through these, through these, um, these, these uh, uh, board meetings. My whole plea at the end of this, my whole plea, is grow up. Amen? Grow up. We are Seventh-day Adventist adults. And technically speaking, the minute you are baptized and you come up, up you are a newly created being in Christ. And you are a disciple of Jesus, fully capable of church leadership. Now, not a lot of experience, but still capable. Amen? Bring something to potluck. <laughs> Amen? Now, I say it facetiously. And tell the deaconesses if you're going to do that, because they might get mad, and Korean deaconesses are very... After today's message, what are some things you're going to take away from this afternoon? What are you left impressed with? I've done this many times. It's usually the non-Koreans will speak up first, and then the Koreans will speak up later. And then after we finish, then the Koreans come up at the end, like, man, I wanted to say something, but you're leaving, and we were talking to Carl. It's always that the way. So uh, don't do that, because we're leaving, and we don't want to talk to you. So what will you take away from today? Yes, sir. That we are individuals. We are a body of individuals. We are like every pipe organ. A God-given proper organ. Yes. Order. 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 Yes, yes. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? What will you take away from today? If you're introverted and you're like, man, I should say something, but I don't want to say something, and you might make fun of me, don't worry, I won't make fun of you. I'll try not to make fun of you. Um, sure, yes. Board meetings. Be involved. Be involved. 
You're never too young to be involved. Well, you are, you are, I mean, there, there, there are ages when you are young, like, like one month. Uh, that's a little young. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's cradle roll, so they're still involved. And yeah, I, I, okay. Yeah, I get, I get your point. Yes. Yes, sir. Embrace each other in love. Bring each other back. Yeah. By the way, the, there's nothing like peers that can bring peers back. Sometimes we're like, well, the pastor should be doing the pastor, 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 pastor. Well, sometimes the pastor is a 95 years old, and he can't connect with a 12-year-old. But if you're 12 years old, you can connect. And, and Ellen White says that the greatest calling of youth is to reach out to the youth of your own generation. We have a special gift that we can only do with each other. So you should use it. So appreciate that. Okay. Anyone else? Well, I'll open it up. We have a, a Q&A session. Uh, any questions that you have, any comments, any conclusions, any insults that you have uh, acquired through last night and today that you'd like to, to share? If not, we'll, we'll, we'll call it quits. Yes? No, you cannot. But I can give it to you. If you can use it for private study only. Uh, the only problem with that is like, a lot of these images are not legal. Uh, <laughs> And, and if I use it for church, it's fine, but it's all Google images, and I gotta, gotta contact each one, and I gotta contact this kid, and be like, can I use your picture? And all I don't know who this kid is, so. Um, if, if I put it publicly, I'm breaking the law. If I use it for church, it's not. Yep. And that was recorded. Anyone else? <laughs> Anyone else? Yes? Yes. Yes, yes. Very excellent question. The question is, what happens when you go to a church and you're, you're young and you don't, you don't, uh, they don't perceive you as a competent, capable soul winner and how do you get stuff moving? You, you want to be smart. You want to be smart. And one way to do that is talk to your pastor, talk to the chairperson, talk to the head elder. Um, there is, uh, in the leadership uh, laws of um, John Maxwell, there's the, call, the, law call, the law called the law of E.F. Hutton. I don't know who E.F. Hutton is. He's just some big guy. And uh, when I was a pastor of, of the Korean church, I was 25 years old. Everyone else was 900 years old. <laughs> right? And of that group, there was someone who was 1,000 years old. And that 1,000-year-old person was the de facto leader. Now, I was the pastor, I was the leader, but he was the hidden leader. And in every group, there was always someone like that. And usually, they don't talk, right? And so I remember when I'd be like, I mean, I was like a little puppy, I'm like, and everyone's like, they all look towards the 1,000-year-old man, and he'd be like, hmm. And I was like, yeah, that's a good idea, that's a good idea, good, good idea. And I'd be like, no, 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 let's do this, let's do this, let's do this. And they look over to the 1,000-year-old man, and be like, hmm. And like, no, pastor, we think that's a bad idea. Like, he never talked, right? He just grunted in a Korean man fashion, uh, ancient Korean caveman. Um, so you want to be smart. You want to find who are the people of influence, who are the leaders, who are the movers and shakers. Um, as a young person, we are young people. We are inexperienced. We are idiots when it comes to a lot of stuff. So with the position of, I want to learn more, I want to, I have a burden for this, 
And rather than be like, I want to do this, and if you don't do this, you're not good Christians, rather than do that, let's be a little bit more smarter in a Christian humble attitude. I'm like, hey, if I were to do this, would you recommend it? How would I get this going across? You know, can you help me with this? And, and I mean, nine times out of ten, unless they're super evil, they, they, they will help you. They will help you. Um, it wasn't until I learned that component, just to be a little bit more socially aware and uh, here's the thing. We are all young in this room. We are all younger than about, you know, 70 years old, I, th- I think, well, maybe. Um, and youth brings with, it, brings with it arrogance. We are arrogant. And we don't know how arrogant we are. And with age, there comes humility. And sometimes we may have good intentions, good passion, good energy, good ideas, creativity, but if packaged the wrong way, it can come off extremely arrogant. And that's, I think, a lot of the divisions of the generational stuff. But under Christ, that 1,000-year-old and the 25-year-old is the same. Humble with each other, working together. And that's, that's the hope that we have. And I've seen that in churches. I've, I've seen that in churches. Yeah. I know it's a vague answer, but it's, it's, it's where I Yeah. Yeah. Good, good, good question. How do we get more young people into Sabbath school? I don't know. Uh, I know what doesn't work. Uh, we know that many churches who change the time from 9.30 to 10 o'clock, they think, hey, 10 o'clock is when everyone will come out to Sabbath school. But what happens is people don't come out to Sabbath school at 10 o'clock. They come out at 10.30. So then these churches move it to 10.30, and then they don't come at 10.30, they come at 11 o'clock. So these people are always, there's always a 30-minute lag, whatever time you set it at, okay? So then more than time, and that's, that's, that's solution number one, which I believe is false. Solution number two is, hey, let's make food. If we have food, that's why people come out for church service. If we have breakfast, they'll come out for, um, for Sabbath school. But here's what we go back to methodology. How you win them is what you're winning them to. Repeat that one more time. How you win them is what you're winning them to. So if you're going to win them with food, you're going to attract all the people who are hungry and have no money for breakfast. Like poor students. I'm being facetious. Um, the reality is, and, and I think this, was, it just take, it takes more time, but in our culture today, 2017, millennial generation, with Amazon Prime, Netflix, YouTube all around, we're uber sensitive with quality programming. Quality programming. So that if we have a Sabbath school program and it's, it's, it's low class, it's ghetto even by 1%, they're like, man, I'd rather sleep in for that. I don't want to sit through this. I got up for this so they don't come out. So in church settings, what is the best programming that you have? It is getting into the Word of God. Really getting into exposition of the Word of God, really practical stuff, really fun stuff, and then make it worthwhile to get up at the early hour of 9.30, okay? Or 9 o'clock, whatever, okay? Um, there is a, there's a decline of commitment, you know? Um, there used to be a generation that would come to church at 9.15. Now we come to church at 9, 11.45, um, there is that, but I think the Word of God can build us up to build that up, that level of commitment for us. You know? um, that's not indicting all of you. You guys are all part of the, the remnant of the remnant. Okay. Anyone else? Questions? Comments? Yes, sir. Sorry, brother, you are speaking softly, and my, my ears are... 
Yes. Amen. <laughs> Yes, the logo. It's just a logo that some committee put together. It's not a conspiracy theory. The cross isn't upside down. These are not Jesuits in the Adventist church we're trying to promote. It's just a logo. The, the function of the logo is so that um, the Methodist logo is probably a well-known church logo. It's a cross with a red flag on, on the side, kind of the cross. And the, the churches uh, wanted a worldwide uh, branding that wherever you go in any country, if the words Seventh-day Adventist Church is in a different language, by a graphic, you can still tell it's the Seventh-day Adventist Church. That's the function of a logo. Um, there have been a lot of conspiracy theories, like you can see 666 in it, and it's by the Jesuits, and please don't Google it and try to look for 666. Now you're going to all do it. Um, but it's just the graphic interface. Um, they're updating the logo. It was created in 1999, 1998. Uh, but they're updating it. And just micromentally, uh, they're updating it. Yep. Okay. Anyone else? Any questions? Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yes. You, you could, yes, yes, you could. Um, it, it may require a little bit of um, finesse, especially if your church board is only like 10 people. And uh, uh, so how you would do this is you talk to your chairperson and say, hey, I have an idea, talk to them, and you try to get it on the agenda. And if your chairperson is your head elder or the pastor, say, hey, uh, sister and so-and-so has an idea, and, and they'll give you the time, the floor to, to speak. And you, you pitch. You're like, I want to do this with $1,000. We'll use $900. And uh, I understand that this is... Uh, and then you, what the thing is, the advantage that young people have is use your naivete as an advantage. You're like, I've never done this before, so can we do like an absent ballot, uh, not absent, uh, a, ballot, uh, a closed ballot? Like, that would be fun, wouldn't it? You know, like, just, just play, it, play it off. And uh, they'd be like, um, uh, oh, yes, we don't want to stifle the young woman's uh, you know, zeal. And, and then they'll, they'll do it. I mean, that's our advantage. If the elderly have their advantages, the youth have their advantages, too. Um, you can. You can ask for a closed ballot. But usually closed ballots are requested in case of a high bias or pressure by certain people. Like an example that you cited. Yeah. yeah. Okay, good question. Good question. Okay, very mechanical questions, yeah? And I think, uh, I wish someone had told me this stuff as a young adult. These are very practical things. Yes? Do you all want to be part of your Adventist church? Be a proactive component in your local leadership. Amen? Please stand with me and let me have a word of prayer with you. Stand. Stand, stand, stand. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for the strength that you've given us this afternoon. Um, from what I've seen, people have been very uh, interested. And Father, we ask that you translate and transpose this interest into church leadership. And to take that church leadership and to push evangelism further. Not just for the mechanical uh, process of baptizing people, but really fulfilling Jesus' words to be his disciples. 
and to have this church get bigger and larger, not just in terms of numbers, but to fulfill the Great Commission and to see Jesus come in our lifetime. We pray in Jesus' name. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.